Welcome to the Microsoft 365 Developer Podcast with your hosts, Jeremy Thake and Paul Schaeflein. Each week, you'll catch us speaking to expert developers about new tech, lessons learned, and opinions in this space. Okay, welcome to another show. And with me today, I have Fabian Williams, who's going to be our guest co-host for today. So thanks for joining me, mate. Oh, thank you for having me, Jeremy. It's been such a long time. I've never, I don't think I've ever been on the show before. You've never, ever been on the show before? Nope, nope. Oof. I think actually Paul mentioned that, actually. In in all of the time, I feel like that may be the truth. There we go. Well, welcome to the show and straight to a co-host. Isn't that quite the upgrade? <laughs> I know, exactly. Quite the upgrade. It's like turning up to the airport and being, you know, you're in the back by the toilet and then you're like, here's seat 1A and here's a glass of champagne. Not even seat 1A. Here, co-pilot the plane with me too. <laughs> <laughs> so- you listen to the show, you in, in tell me, but I don't know if I believe you or not. I do. Um, <laughs> we can quiz me on there um, because actually, I, I actually sent you um, my talking points for today and it actually went over the shows that I've watched. Oh, yeah. look at that. The news section of the show um, is usually Paul's place. So this is going to be a miserable excuse for a news section. But it is big news, which is that the SharePoint framework team have just released 1.12 or 1.12, I'm guessing they're calling it. Now, I'll be honest, I've been so focused in the graph world that I'm not as up to date with SharePoint SPFX as I used to be when this first started coming out. But the big things I would say based on the the whole blog post are that it now supports Node V12 because that was a surprising thing when I first looked at this again for a, a while in FHO week last year in like November that I was surprised it was only working with 10 when I was working on it and 12 was available. The new default TypeScript version is 3.7, but 3.9 is also supported. And that there is a new synced Teams button in the tenant app catalog now. So when you push the SPFX package over, it handles all the SharePoint dynamic ones into Teams. So you don't have to do any magic there that you used to. So, and there are a bunch of other things in there. So I've put the blog post in there. It shares future plans of SPFX around Microsoft Viva connections, and we should probably get Luca or Pat on the call to or on the podcast to talk a little bit more about that because we've been a bit light on with SharePoint stuff, but I think that's just because there's so much other channels for there's so much news, yeah. SharePoint SBFX that's covered everywhere else. And, and now that you mention it, um, even though I didn't necessarily I didn't read that blog as yet, I did see a lot of um, activity on Twitter. And now that now that I recall from Vincent and from um, from Waldeck and a few others, you know, speaking about it, and of course, you know, uh, Vesa as well. But I, I know there was a lot of activity around it and something that that was more of a welcome news. We'll get into the episode now. So for those that don't know Fabian Williams, can you introduce yourself? Fabian Williams. I am a senior program manager on the Microsoft Graph team customer and partner experiences. So happens I report up to you, Jeremy Thake, as, as, <laughs> as, as my manager. Um, but I have a lovely set of peers, um, people that I've worked with, um, you know, for like a decade already. So it was almost like, um, you know, uh, you know, working with old friends. My role is um, that of um, the Teams um, SME and the Search SME. Um, but we do get our hands dirty in a lot of different areas. And um, the focus, of course, is you know, to help encourage growth of the graph on blood partners and, and, you know, make sure that, you know, they're successful in their app journey. Yeah, no, it's been great. And you've been with us now since August, right? I know the last week in August, um, LinkedIn keeps counting those three days as one month. So I think it has me as, <laughs> as, as eight months, but I, I quantify it as seven months in three days. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's been awesome to have you on the team. And yeah, as you mentioned, like we've been friends and essential colleagues in the community for the longest amount of time. So it was an easy thing to 
do to kind of get you on the team with all that experience. What I wanted to talk to you about today was some of the stuff you've been working on since you first joined the team around what we call Microsoft Graph Blueprints. So can you explain what these blueprints are and why we decided to go down this path? As with all things, um, you know, you, you, if you find either a gap or a, uh, or a problem, you have to try and solve it. So um, I wouldn't want to say that there's both things that this blueprint um, uh, does. However, if you are supposed to ask the question, does it solve a problem? I, would, I could name four things that um, blueprints uh, attempt to fix. For one thing, um, content is all over the place, um, and it doesn't necessarily speak the same languages as, as people in terms of you know the level that they need to be at, or you know in the framework that they need to um, to to consume it. Content sometimes get aged, and it doesn't necessarily reflect the present. And also, you know, some people may be totally new and don't know where to start. And um, some people may only know the area that they're building in, um, whether it's it's legacy or it's in Microsoft Graph in terms of one of the workloads. So what Blueprint does, it provides a construct of which you can have this conversation. And uh, you can have this conversation you know, with partners and customers um, you know, to basically bring them along that journey, again, to make sure that they're being successful. And the concept of Blueprint is, is themed. It, it's around, um, uh, I like to do the why, what, where scenario. So if you have users that, you're, um, you know, that are using your application or you have an idea for an app that you're going to be building, your users need to be top of mind. So the why part of the scenario is all about why would your users be excited um, you know, to, you know, to be in an application that's built using Microsoft Graph. Blueprints answer that question. And we can unpack that as we, as we speak. What as well, right? So, you know, you're speaking to an ISV or a customer. What do they get, right? What's the benefit? What's the value prop to them? Why should they stop what they're doing and consider this as an approach? So, um, you, know, you know, Blueprints also answers that question. And again, we can certainly unpack that. But the where part is, you know, you're speaking to within the application, now the app developer, where, do you, where would this light up? How would you see this being manifested? So Blueprints basically, you know, t- takes you through that why, what, where um, steps in terms of having that conversation and take you to that journey towards success of your application. Yeah, it's perfect explanation of the, you know, the, re- the driver behind it. I, I think prior to this team forming, the reliance internally was like, you know, Daryl and I um, speaking to customers and partners ourselves and we realized that, you know, we've been in this space for so long that it was just muscle memory for us to, even with a blank screen, be able to do an hour conversation without taking a breath on graph. But as, you know, Yina's group has grown um, and demands have become higher from the field inside Microsoft, but also from, you know, our customers themselves and service integrators or even partners just to train their own internal people, they needed like more structured ways to go and do the what is the graph and why should we care thing, right? And so it's been great to see you draw everyone together and pick from everyone's minds that's been doing this kind of ad hoc and, you know, structuring this in a way that's easy for everyone to present. Indeed. Um, In fact, um, you know, one of the, (laughs) I've had had conversations with you and other people on the team. And I think you already know this about me just because we just know each other, but I'm a very, from a militaristic background, I'm a very structured person. Um, You know, I, 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 I plan and I plan and I plan and I replan. So, um, you know, going down this road, I had, I, and I'm also visual. So uh, when I was thinking about this, um, and again, you're right, I, had, I spoke to a bunch of different people who gave me a bunch of different ideas. And I wanted to say, how can I, uh, yeah, I think Elon, Elon must mention this. What can, go back to, you know, first principles. So break this down to the lowest barrier, you know, the source of truth, and then layer it up from there. So after speaking to a bunch of different people, 
again, in the way I think, you know, why, what, where, I started to come up with this layer. And it, it, I think you even know it. It started with just three slides. But it, since then, you know, through the iterations that I've gone through with people, being able to communicate that in an effective way and not just, you know, of course, taking it out of my brain and then thinking of, of people in general, we've just come up with a great framework now that I know it's easy to consume, it's easy to speak to, and people really get it. It lights up. I know people's eyes open up when they actually hear the conversation and they can say, yep, I know exactly what you're talking about. In fact, I used it last night and even people... That was in the user group, right? Exactly. Yeah, I spoke at the Baltimore SharePoint user group last night where I started just on blueprints to begin with and then I moved over into connectors. Um, but just the blueprints alone laid such a framework. I think even Shadid mentioned that he had an idea of what graph was and then after seeing me talk about it in that way, opened up his eyes to other opportunities as well too. So, yeah. And, and it, the journey of it's been fascinating because... You know, the way I position it versus Gina versus Daryl and, and others that have been in the graph for a long, long time is very different because you put your own personal flair on it or you have your own personal stories from the customer and partner conversations you've had. And so genericizing that so that everyone is happy has been definitely one challenge uh, as you've you've felt the, pie, the pain of there. And I think there's a big takeaway there of like this exercise is hard for any domain for someone to take something and make it generic. I think the exercise has been great. And uh, as an example of like the proof of this, I'm looping, I'm hiring again. So if you check my Twitters and this uh, blog post, all the job links are in there. And I'm getting my candidates to actually pitch for 10 minutes on the graph and they can pick a blueprint to use to present to me. And, um, you know, there's a script you've written, which they can either stick to or they can, you know, make their own. And it was incredible seeing that yesterday from a candidate and just seeing them run with that without any kind of guidance. Yeah, that's a proof right there. Exactly. Yeah. So that proved it, pretty proved it really well. So yeah, if you are interested in a role in my team and um, we have had a few of the people on the team come on and speak and you've seen what they're up to publicly on Twitters and different things, um, definitely go and apply for the role. But to get back to this, the blueprints aspect, we picked nine blueprints to pitch to, to partners what are those just quickly, just so people have a higher frame of reference on that? Right. Okay. So now you're going to quiz me about something that I created. Wait, and, I can and, and, for the and, listeners here, <laughs> I can see him opening up the slide. He hasn't got it that. baked you, to memory. You can't see that. I want, I want to give it I in can order. see in the reflection of your glasses right now. <laughs> oh, that's, that's so true. <laughs> so, okay. So on memory, it is going to be basically uh, photos. It's going to be files. And uh, it is going to be photos, uh, <laughs> files, events, mail, teams, tasks, context, insights, and search. I like to do it in order. I, I could definitely go get, get you nine, but I want to do it in the order because I think the orders matter. It, the, well, the structure, yeah. Yeah, because even last night, even when I had a conversation, there's a reason why I put photos first because photos resonate. Photos is, right. again, if graph is around the individual, the individual is manifested through, you know, the user profile. The user profile is, is, is best exemplified by the photo of the individual. And if a person has an app in, you know, they're holding a phone, they're looking at the computer and they can see themselves in that app, there's a connection that's instantly made. So I usually start off all blueprint conversation with photos and then I'll find two others that also make sense based on the particular use case of that customer because photos, it's easy to get, it clicks and, and people light up because again, the idea on photos is that it, it empathizes, it, it, it brings out a human connection even though we're in an app world. There's a human part of it as well and um, i want to tell that message first now we we can't share the numbers for sec reasons for um, security and exchange reasons but um what were some of the 
justifications of picking these nine blueprints? So yeah, we didn't just pull them out of thin air. And um, you know, if you if you go to graph.microsoft.com and you go through the API, you can see that there's tons of endpoints that we could have chosen from. But um, in speaking to customers and partners, which we do, you know, through our community calls on the TAP program and also in the, on, on our community, plus also, you know, looking at, at our own internal metrics, I was able to find through customers and partners what, you know, what workloads are being called the most from an HTTP verb perspective. And just to unpack that, you know, your, your post, your puts, your patch, your gets, um, and able to, to tell, to, to basically see based on their products, and their and, and what they're um what they're what what they're bringing to market, what was important to them, and how they're calling the graph, and be able to either a take that success story and tell it to others because so that other people can be successful, or also just you know say okay you know these are things that people are building and these are the scenarios. Let's create a blueprint around it as well. So um, it, it was telemetry driven. As we live in a world that is very metric driven, so I I, I, I led with metrics. But I also looked at what um, customers are doing um, to be able to tell that story. Yeah, and like it, the the pattern is is fairly obvious in the sense that look, we had three server side products in Active Directory, Exchange, and SharePoint that essentially equate to photos, files, mail, calendar, contacts, which is you know a big group of those. Um, and obviously, with Teams uh, being three years old, three and a bit years old now, and the unfortunate pandemic with means means this product has just become everyone's life. Um, we have seen an incredible spike in, in usage on Teams. But I think we, the request we have from partners and customers all the time is like, yeah, we've heard about this graph thing. We've heard such a talk about it. We've heard Rajesh talk about it. But what are people doing with it? And so these blueprints really help there to restructurally go, well, here are the nine things we see and these are the ways that they're used. Because sometimes people can't do the leap from a, here's a REST API endpoint that gives me a job title and what that means to... Uh, someone as a customer, or how do, how does someone use a mail message in a in a in a product? And so these blueprints have really helped to like draw draw those dots. So if we used files as an example, how would you walk through those the three slides? Like what again? Just repeat the structure and explain what that 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 approach is. Because I think this for everyone that's listening. Like if you're a solution architect, a business analyst even a developer that wants to try and evangelize this internally, like this mechanism works for you to talk to your own internal stakeholders, um, you know, or if you're an SI and you're trying to pitch an idea to a customer, this is another great way of doing this too. So, and, and, and to your point, you were able to speak to a candidate and have them pitch this to you. Um, so you should be able to, even though we're not, you know, people are, this is not visual, just by me having this conversation, hopefully it should resonate as well too. And again, if you remember the theme, why, what, and where, and the personas of who you're talking to, because to your point, you should be able to speak to your own team as well. This is not a developer conversation necessarily. It is a business conversation and a value, more so a value conversation. Why is this important? Centering around the why, you know, why would your customers be, you know, be really stoked about an application that's built using the files workload? You know, the, the tagline initially is, you know, you want, you're, you're powering the collaborative file experience across Microsoft 365. And you're doing that in terms of the user. What do they take from it is that they can easily share files. They can easily co-author across all domains and all devices, whether it's mobile, desktop, or in the web in real time. And they can access their files offline. And, um, you know, they have the assurance in 
the form factor that they're using, that they're being compliant to governance, um, you know, and, and also versioning. So they're not, you know, thumb driving stuff around or emailing stuff to, to themselves. You know, <laughs> yeah, and we, we don't, you know, we've all been victims of this. So as a user, this is the reason why you get excited because it's Microsoft 365 and all of these rules apply. Once you get you, you pass that you know that threshold where you say yep my users will be really happy about this then you, you have to you know be somewhat introspective what do I get from this if I'm so if I'm speaking to a customer or a partner you know they're asking themselves well yeah it's all good for the user but what 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 do I get I'd be happy to tell them hey you're saving on operational cost there's a built-in security model you don't have you know I think you and I noodled over this you know basically don't roll this on your own we've we've, right, we've right. Microsoft we've done this already we've cracked this nut don't worry about it let us take this yeah. heavy lifting you're, you're never going to build a, a OneDrive product when that's not your core business is kind of their argument right and why should you exactly so build on top yeah. of what we've already done plus you know we, we, we bring 320 plus file type previews to, you know, to the table um, we mitigate data leaks and we, enha- we have enhanced security so all that is your focus on your product. Let us manage the infrastructure. So you know, hopefully that would convince the you know the person sitting across the table in terms of what do they get from it as well. And then the other conversation. And once you've solved the user problem, once you've solved the what do I get from a problem is okay. Where do I use this? So then you start having a conversation, and you take this now back to you know graph.microsoft.com, back into the API conversation, and say, well, these are the endpoints that are available to you, and here are some of the controls that you could be talking about: file preview control, convert to PDF control store metadata against files to basically enhance their application experience and you know have all of this being centered in the Microsoft graph. So just for files alone, as you give an example, that's basically just one out of the nine. And it's the same type of conversations that we're having around you know, the others as well. Yeah. And I remember like, you know, we've I've worked at two different ISVs and been a consultant for a long time. And when I was a consultant in Australia, I've built those SQL tables with the, the blob columns where you would just dump the file in it and you would put the created by date and who the author was inside one of those columns. And then you would just render that to the screen. And sure, that that gets you the ability to have a file upload within your application, but you're not getting you know, co-authoring web views. You're not getting versioning. You're not getting a security model. There's all those things that you know users take for granted that if all you're going to give them is blob once and and nothing then it's just going to be a horrible journey yeah they'll use it they'll use the app once and then never use it again basically yeah yeah and an exciting thing with the files blueprint as well which is nice and something that we've aligned so this isn't just our team focused on the pitch is like elise young and um nicola and um, beth over in mgt are, are prioritizing now the web components and so there's a file whole file picker and file aspect coming through so that you know you can accelerate your use of this files blueprint in your web application really quickly with um, with the Microsoft Graph Toolkit which is great Indeed, and I, and I should emphasize, even though this was something that you know that that I started within within a team and um, initially ideated and, and and brought to bear, Elise and I have actually worked you know closely. Where you know she's looked she's looked over this blueprint, and we we actually strategize it for what the work that she's been doing um, with Nicola and Beth and all those folks in the MGT team. How can we bring those two conversations together? Because if you if you recall when I, when we talked about why the blueprint, it is to have that broad conversation. We also want to have depth as well too. So we want to make sure that as you're talking about blueprints, as you're talking about graph, let's also talk about MGT. And I know you had Sebastian um, in your last podcast 
podcast that actually from the mailbag series talked about um, the MGT get, if I recall correctly. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So you can quiz me exactly, and um, and <laughs> you could just read the episode name. <laughs> <laughs> I could have. I could have. But I can probably give you a good synopsis. But but basically, um, Elise and I actually sat and figured out same thing again from a telemetry standpoint. Which MG, which um, Microsoft Graph toolkits are being used? How can we align that to Blueprint? How can we tell a story there? And also, what next? What should we be bringing to, um, you know, in, as the next component inside of my Blueprint to have an MGT story around? So yeah, a collaborative approach and team effort from everyone involved. Yeah, and and it, I think that the other challenge we have, and often people ask, you know, what what the what th- what's top of mind for you, Jeremy? And the big thing is, is how how big the graph is. Like you mentioned earlier on, like you go to graph.microsoft.com and click on docs and go look at the API reference and you look at how many different endpoints there are on graph. It can be overwhelming for people to know or be an expert. And I'm certainly not an expert. There are areas of the graph where I would literally have to go to the API owner and ask them questions because it's just, you can't know everything on graph. It's not possible. And the reason that you are our team SME and our search SME, whereas Seb is our OneDrive and SharePoint SME and, and Nick is our Data Connect and Brian is our Graph Connect is because you just, you can't know it, all of it. It's just too big. Divide and conquer. Otherwise you'd have a bunch of people. Yeah. And so this mm-hmm. blueprint at least gives someone like a, a landing zone to be like, well, out of these nine, sure, photos makes most sense. Files makes a lot of sense. Um, but you know, where else can I plug into in that way? Now you've made it obvious and I did have the question of like, what is your favorite blueprint? And you've kind of already answered that one being photos, but just to dig into that a bit more, if you think about the why, like we talked about from, um, a files perspective, but sorry, the how, where do you see the most value in a photo in a, what, what we call internally, like a, a third party multi-tenant application, i.e. an ISV is building something that is part of their product that they sell as a SaaS, piece of SaaS software? I think one obvious thing that people sometimes take for granted is the fact that people work on um, a variety of different devices, different form factors, and oftentimes a struggle that you can have when working with photos is um, how, how do you format it in terms of what, what rendition, what dimensions are you working with? If this is something that you're going to put inside Microsoft 365, then right off the bat, um, you know, based on photos in, and, and in your query to get the photo, you can actually you can actually ask for what size and dimension that you want right off the bat. So one photo goes in, several different dimensions come out, and you're able to basically call that and use it in your application and not have to worry about that. Plus, also, you don't have to worry about binary conversions and sending stuff over the stream and octet and worry about your content type. All of that goes away. It's just a simple restful call to, to have that in. So I think as much as that is a simple thing and something that work, works under the cover, there's a lot of value there. And from a time management perspective, it's just something else not to worry about. We give that to you for free. And I think often people will forget where the graph is used for that blueprint scenario. So for me, like a, a great one is uh, Decisions, which is a meeting management ISV. And they have um, an Outlook add-in and a, a Teams personal app and, a, and Teams tab and message extensions and so forth. Where, where it's really great is, is that, you know, when you launch their tab experience and you see, okay, I'm in this meeting, here's my agenda, um, here are the notes that were taken, here are the follow-up actions. I'm seeing Fabs's face. I'm seeing Seb's face. I'm seeing Brian's face. Um, I'm seeing Nick's face alongside the, you know, Nick's to follow up or a Brian's going to chase up with this particular partner. And for me, like just scanning that, it's almost like you, you nowadays you expect it to be there. Like it's not enough just to see Nick's name. 
seeing in you know we see this in our experiences whether it's outlook or planner or you know to do where you are you know you're seeing a username and seeing the photo straight away and and so i think you know customers and users are beginning to expect this as a just a you know, baseline. A given. Yeah, a given. Yeah, to your point as well. And I think you touched on it before where you said that um, teams, um, the fact that we're, you know, we're in March now and March is when the lockdown started. So everyone now has effectively been working from home for at least one year. One of the things we take for granted is that, that human connection as well too. And I think that if you are asked to ask me my second favorite blueprint, it would be teams because um, of just what teams has done, you know, for front, you know, frontline workers, um, you know, from, you know, work from home, from, you know, from a learning perspective, as well, in terms of just school and uh, and um, the ability to uh, to to have even that you know a virtual happy hour, all there. But from an app perspective, you know um, the photo is important because um, I think one of the lines I have in in the um, in the photo endpoint for the why is is mirroring. Because if a person is smiling inside a photograph, quite often you're going to smile back, or at least you're going to have a feeling that that's going to come over you of just you know a, you know just just joy because you see somebody smile at you. It's just a human behavior, and to and, and to take that and translate it into an app, especially as you're working through something as probably mundane as looking over files <laughs> and you know and, and saying okay this file belongs to that person, but to see the person smile, instant connection, yeah. and the next time you have a conversation with them, you, you know it, it it's not it's not unfamiliar, and, and it goes both ways. It's not like I mentioned. About about the tabs and the Outlook add-ins and so forth being in our experiences. But it's also important that if I launch, you know, a, me- a mobile application or a standalone web application, especially in a corporate setting, and I see Fabian Williams' name, I really want to see the same photo I see in M365. True, yeah. <laughs> because if I see like, oh, we're using this SaaS software and for whatever reason, they're not signing with the corporate account and it's it's pulling a custom photo that that particular SaaS apps ask Fabs to upload. And at the time, Fabs doesn't have his corporate photo. So he's like ripped out his phone, taken a photo and uploaded it. And it's not as good. Yeah, It doesn't create that uniformity that all these things are official across the organization or that, you know, it, it feels like one experience. And, and users really want that now. They don't want to be these jarring things where they jump between different business applications and like, whoa, like I'm relearning this now. It needs to feel familiar. Exactly. And I think photos is a great way of doing that because it brings that familiarity across. Consistency. If I'm in Outlook all day long and I'm seeing Fabs's photo in all the emails or him pinging me on Teams, that same experience is showing up in the SaaS app. And I just think it is kind of neat that it does do that. It has that that experience for users when they see that same photo follow you around right. across SaaS apps. But not only that too, but from an insights perspective, and I know um, you know you know Viva is a topic that we can all, we can have a lengthy conversation around too. Even you know subjectively or just behind in, in, behind your mind, you know not, not in a thoughtful process. If you if you're in a meeting with me t- today and you know you've seen the, my you know the, the corporate photo there that's um, that's as a part of um, the, the team's experience or whatever, and later on. On that day, just going to office, you know, portal office.com and then getting, um, you know, the recommended or getting the shared with your stuff. And you see my face again, you may just instantly remember, oh, I needed to do something for Fabian only because that it triggers. I saw this this morning. I am seeing this now. Need to do something. So familiarity and consistency is built there as just an inherent part that people, again, sometimes take for granted. Yeah. And, and I think there is that notion of more and more, I get the, maybe the larger customer system is more of a problem. But if you're a small SMB, I've also heard this which is don't make me go and update my photo in eight different things or update my photo, right? So an enterprise wants to have your single corporate photo. And if I upload it into Azure AD through um, the profile system in M365, 
that photo changes across all of my enterprise applications and not, oh, I've got to go to this particular SES app foo and update it there and I've got to go to this other one. Because it, again, it, it, people do update their photos. Um, I would give advice for anyone listening that having a picture of Snoopy or Peanuts or I don't want to bring out one that I know because I might offend them, but there's a quite a few people that use like cartoon characters and like abstract things. Please just put up a photo of yourself like head and shoulders up in there you're not wearing sunglasses and a baseball cap so we can actually see who you are because that's the real primary use of those things and i get there are, there are people that are concerned of you know privacy and aspects but i guess the reality is is that you know if you're walking in the office we can see what you look like that's the big thing is like that make it easy on the end user to be able to just put a photo in and sit everywhere consistently in the same way but on that note there's an extensibility part of it as well too right so let's say that you know you're building an app and the apps and the vision of that app is to do X, right? But it's not uncommon, you know, to extend something beyond, the, you know, the initial capabilities of it. Imagine around, and it's use photos again, you're building an app and you, let's say that you're going to be building an app using um, even Power Platform, right? So you're going to build something that is a Canvas application. It's going to be used inside the lobby as a part of, um, you know, visitor intake. And as you come inside, you want to find a person who you're going to be meeting with as a part of just that, that workflow process. Pull it from the graph. It's gonna be uh, it's gonna be now a professional photo of an individual, not Snoopy with somebody else's name. <laughs> and you know what? we don't do that because you've not been to the campus recently. But we have right before COVID, they released all these new Surface devices that did that automation. So right. you didn't even talk to the person at the front desk, but it didn't show the photo of the person. And I always thought back then I was like, because you stay in the lobby and you're like, is this Jeremy? Is that Jeremy? And so if it said like, here's who you've got to look out for, it's not that much of an awkward introduction. Thank you, because it's five different journeys. Yeah, totally. And you see how that makes yeah. sense now, right? Exactly, that human connection, exactly. That's why photos is my favorite. Yeah, so, okay, so Teams, I wanna take, so we covered files, we covered photos. I'm not gonna go through all nine with you, but with Teams, you know, the API service of Teams is pretty broad, right? Like, well, you're the SME, you tell me. What's the what's some of the most popular things that you see going on scenario-wise with Teams? I know you, you actually, the funny thing is that, you know, now I have to, you know, like mince words in terms of what I can say and not, I cannot say. But I think um, definitely creating meetings, um, and, and this is a great bridge um, to your point before in terms of what Blueprints does. I'm actually going to use one stone to kill two birds. <laughs> definitely creating online meetings is important. As, and you see that a ton with teams now as people, um, again, work from home, trying to do a lot of automation, trying to do things on demand. And I'm going to bridge the two gaps now. So events is certainly one. Teams is another one. And there's sometimes not clarity in terms of when to use one over the other. And I know in our community call, that's something I'm going to speak to, was it next month? I'm going to be speaking about that in terms of the delineation as to why would you create an online meeting using um, slash events versus um, using one creates, um, you know, online media. I forgot what the resource types are. But one is with Teams and one is with um, Calendar, basically. So that's definitely one of it. Definitely chat message um, is, is, is another one as well. Integrating, you know, messages in chat into your application, being, being responsive to those chats as well. Um, triggering action based on events is, is important. And obviously also doing, um, you know, integrating M365 data into bots. So there's, um, you know, the entire bot framework around that. Um, there's a huge, you know, industry that is all around e-discovery with teams as well. They, you know, chat is just a medium of just, you know, conversation, but it's also, you're talking about corporate information. 
and you need to be mindful of that. And also, um, you know, from there's several different providers are, that are out there that are doing, um, you know, these type of communication and also, you know, data migration, you know, ingestion into Teams. So there's a ton of use cases, far too many for you to mention. But, um, you know, Teams is really going gangbusters, both from in front of the screen with people using it and also behind the scene with people building solutions on top of it and they're leveraging the Microsoft Graph. Yeah, I'm looking forward to your community call coming up. And we always do it the first Tuesday of the month and, you know, just tackling on that conversation of when to use each scenario for creating meetings and this comes up with every partner right now and we need to do a better job of communicating that so i think getting in the community core is one thing and then um you know obviously getting the docs polished yeah um, so that it's easy to refer to is is good too and that's the point i was trying to make earlier as well when you ask me you know about what does blueprint solve the doc the docs are there and oftentimes like i said you know there is so you know wide and deep in terms of just you know the things that are out there for graph and you're not going to be an expert in all one of the things actually just I think two weeks ago, somebody reached out to me on LinkedIn and they were interested in connectors and uh, they're from a European country. And um, obviously, you know, the alphabetical characters are going to be different. So non-ASCII characters came up and it's there in the docs in terms of, you know, how to do the, you know, how to not, how to manage escape characters by, uh, by doing an annotation inside of the JSON document as you're, as you're defining your schema. These are things that, um, you know, the, the blueprint also, you know, seeks to solve in terms of letting you know, you know, having a common, con- having a common conversation across different workloads and, you know, surfacing these items that may be sometimes buried in the docs, but um, having a conversation upfront so that you don't get, you know, get caught with a gotcha. Yeah. And, and talking of like the diversity of like the different customers and partners we have around the world it's been fun with the team a little bit more broadly and obviously Yina and uh, you know I've worked with Yina for a few years now but that you mentioned the um, killing two birds with one stone phrase and there are many phrases I use that people just kind of look at me like what has he just said because of my British heritage or from birth and um, also me living in Australia for 10 years and being in the States now for 10 too you can all start guessing my age the the funny one and you might murder me for just saying this but she translated the kill two birds with one stone to two two birds with one bullet in a meeting (laughs) and we all knew what she meant and we just thought it was hilarious but it was like a translation thing right and so it's always i'm careful to use these now because you know you just don't know what i often forget is that phrase from england will it even work in america is this an Aussie phrase that only Aussies use? Like it's kind of bizarre, but that, I think that one is fairly universal. But every country's translation of it is different. It is. It's you know what's funny about it, and it's inside joke for me and you. Um, but uh, I guess we're going to make it public now. Is that um, <laughs> as, as, as one of um, it was contacts, right? And I said uh, in my Y with my Y conversation, I said oh, it's yeah. a virt- it's a virtual Rolodex. <laughs> and then you know we, we 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 were having a conversation even amongst our team, and you know, again we have a diverse team. Diversity in, you know, in in male female balance in terms of you know in culture as well, but also in age. So so basically <laughs> we, we said, okay, does anyone know what the Rolodex is? And and we had people that did not know what a Rolodex yeah. is because it is such an arcane item. But for me, it's just top of mind. And you know what's funny is I immediately went to my iPhone to see what the icon was for contacts now on the iPhone, and it's not the Rolodex icon anymore. They've ch- I don't know when they changed it. Yeah, but it's for that reason people just don't understand what the visualization of a Rolodex is. 
uh, much like you know our daughters won't understand what a cassette tape is <laughs> other than the packaging that lol dolls coming in this country there you go quite right quite right you know it's funny just hearing you say that phrase and being like oh that brings me back to that that particular one and then the other one obviously your marine background as well i'm having to get used to a lot of copies and echoes and wilco wilco and what's the other one you use someone i've only used you're determined to make me start saying this i'm, I'm sure of it i say standby so if i'm talking to you and you, yeah. uh, you do yeah. say standby and then you go on mute and then you come back yeah yeah so it's things like that where it's just interesting to pick up on you know what previous life you've had and what you bring to the table yeah um well look i really appreciate you coming through this uh we for people listening we will be sharing that slide deck publicly in the future we're not quite yet yet we're putting the f- finishing bristling touches to this thing with um, a vendor that has way more creative juices than we do in PowerPoint. Exactly. <laughs> to yeah. say the yeah. least. And then I guess we're going to be doing that in the community call coming up. Um, I think my one call out would be, you know, if you're an ISV that's listening and you want to be more involved in what our team's doing, um, we do have the ability for you to join our technology adoption program. We do do monthly calls under NDA. Um, and so this is open to all ISVs that, um, want to come in and if you're not under an NDA it's something that I'm more than happy to sponsor as a partner even if you aren't a managed uh, managed partner with Microsoft because again we want as many opinions as possible with partners um, to make sure that we're bringing the graph in the right direction. Fabs thanks so much for joining it's been a real pleasure and um, we will get you on the show more and more in the future to to share what's going on inside of Microsoft 365 dev platform it's been my pleasure I don't know what episode number this is but I'm going to write it down because this is my in, my inaugural uh, debut here 240 there we go there we go all right <laughs> finally from the, from the days of me and Richard Desarigo doing this yeah um, in my first tour of duty at Microsoft back in 20, 2013 days, I guess. Yeah. It's been a, been a, been a treat. Well, look, um, thanks again and um, have a great weekend and I hope you all enjoyed this and uh, we'll hear from you all next week. Cheers, man. Thanks for listening to the Microsoft 365 Developer Podcast. Please follow us on Twitter at M365DevPodcast and check out our show notes at www.m365devpodcast.com. To help us spread the word, we'd really appreciate it if you could retweet our episode tweets and give us a review on iTunes. That's all, folks. 